message series, teaching series, that you've heard me now uh, promote for the last couple of weeks, and we've called it Connecting the Dots. Connecting the Dots. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and begin to find the book of Psalms and turn to Psalm 103. I'm going to be reading there for just a moment, Psalm 103. And as you're finding your way there, let me also make mention of another quick thing. We've been uh, updating and refreshing our website. In fact, I just want to say publicly thanks to Dan Bearden, who uh, is the webmaster. He works at that diligently, and we're doing our best to keep it fresh. Everything's fresh, I believe, on it. And you can go to that website. You can let your friends and neighbors go to the website, LegacyCathedral.org. And uh, we've just got some great information, especially the blog site. You'll see it. It's very notable on the web. I'm doing my best now to, once a week, make sure there's new information on the blog site. If I can do it more than that, I will certainly try. But some of you remember how I was sending out weekly the old True Disciple newsletter. Well, I'm, I'm still getting up to 21st century technology, and uh, they no longer say that you should send out email letters like that. You should just work a blog. So I'm going to work the blog, all right? So you can go to the blog site and you can post and, and you can actually interact. And I can't promise you that, I, you know, I, it's not like you get back to somebody instantly because, you know, I'm not sitting at my, you know, computer with glazed eyes just working my blog like some people do apparently. But nonetheless, we will check it frequently. Uh, please post appropriate comments or the webmaster will go, eh, I don't think so. But nonetheless, it's a wonderful way just to touch base and, and hear maybe what God's saying, and it's just new. And so hopefully you'll take advantage of that, and I believe it can keep you connected all through the week. Have you found Psalm 103? As you've heard me mention now coming up to this series, you know, I grew up, like a lot of you, uh, whether I went on a long trip in the automobile or whether I needed something to keep my attention when I was little, oftentimes my parents would get me the coloring book, and in the coloring book, there would be certain sections where you would connect the dots. And of course, you know how it worked. You'd start at one and you'd go to two and however many dots there were, sometimes it would even get into and past 100. And you would connect the dots and eventually after connecting the dots, you would, you would construct a picture. And sometimes that picture was mysterious. You didn't know what it was. But uh, to, connect, to get the picture, you had to learn how to connect the dots. And, and, and as I thought about that, it just brought back a lot of endearing memories because that was one of the most favorite things I remember doing in the coloring books that I would get. Before I'd color anywhere else, I'd go and do the connect the dot page. Well, as I was thinking about that, I just got a revelation that in order for you and I to get the picture of our life right, in order for you and I to begin to see the, the plan and the purpose of God, begin to manifest and be demonstrated in our lives in order for us to get the picture. We've got to learn how in life and how in the economy of God, he has called us to connect the dots. Now you've heard me, how many of you have been here long enough and have heard me say, connect the dots? You've heard me do that. I've almost done sarcastically. I've almost done that just kind of just to gig you a little bit. Connect the dots. Well, we're going to spend a few weeks and we're going to do exactly that. We're going to connect the dots. For 25 years, I pastored for 25 years. I've been preaching the gospel now for 30 years. I cannot believe I'm even using these numbers anymore. But nonetheless, I've been around the block a time or two. And 
I've watched folks, and can I just say to you all what I really appreciate in recent days is, is that there's a little rumble in the troops when you're speaking. I like that. I mean, it's just kind of like I get help. It's like when a dog starts growling and you say, sick him. That's what an amen is to a pastor. Pastor's just growling and you say amen, it's like saying, sick him. So there's just something just, that just really gladdens my heart when that happens. I would just say this by way of teaching the Amen Seminar right now, that, that you always want to make sure you hear the total revelation before you say Amen. Some people have said Amen before I got it all out, and then afterwards it was like, I probably shouldn't have said Amen right then. It's just a little Amen hint for you if, if you're not used to doing that, but I've been, I've been preaching, pastoring people for 25 years, and folks would amen me, and they would nod their head, I'd watch them nodding their head, and, and I, you know, if I could greet folks, sometimes I could get to the door, sometimes just interacting, and people come and shake your hand and say, Pastor, man, that was a home run. Man, that, God was speaking to me, and, you know, and, and, and it's nice to be encouraged, it's nice to hear nice things from people, but then they'd walk out the door, they wouldn't get to Monday or Tuesday, and they do almost the opposite of what you had taught that Sunday. And for a while, it was irritating. I'm going, are they just rebellious? And you know what? There may be rebellion issues in people. I suspect all of us have rebellion issues at some level. But more than that, I, I think that there, there was a disconnect. Somehow or another, as, as people, we disconnect hearing truth or getting that information or even revelation and, and, and beginning to know how it plugs into or how do I take what I've heard and begin to make it practical in my own life because you can't, you can't go to each person and say, let me make this practical for you. You do your best to make it practical, but when it's all said and done, it is your choice whether you try to figure out how in the world does, does that become relevant to me in my life. And uh, some would even come in, and they'd sit there, you know, in front of me at my desk, or they'd counsel. Now, this is 25 years. And they'd look at me, and they'd say, this isn't happening right in my life. This isn't going like I thought it would be going. I don't get why this isn't happening. And we just explore a little bit, and oftentimes I would say this. Do you remember when I taught that lesson on this subject? And they go, yeah, I remember. That was powerful, man. That affected me greatly. And I'll go, well... What you're going through right now is that you haven't plugged in this particular concept. And they'd sit there and they'd go, oh, oh, you mean what you were talking about that applies to this? Yeah. Connect the dot. See? And it was like all of a sudden in my office, the lights would go on. Now, Hear me, it's not that they didn't love the Lord. It's not that they didn't want to serve him. I don't, I don't understand how that works in everyone's life. Except to say it has happened so much that now I've just decided I'm going to take at least April and just help everybody connect some dots in, in, in their life. And, and hopefully it will give you that aha moment. And so in Psalm 103, let me read this to you. Get Psalm 103. Verse 7, I've always got to do some little introductory stuff before I get to where I'm going. Psalm 103, verse 7, listen to this. This is an underlinable passage in your Bible. It says this, he, meaning the Lord, 
made known his ways. Make sure you underline his ways to Moses. His acts to the children of Israel. His ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. The difference between Moses and the rest of God's people was simple and yet it was critical. Moses understood how to connect dots. The crowd sat and watched, but they couldn't connect the dots. He couldn't leave them for just a couple days to go get the commandments before they were back to golden calves. So we preach, we preach precepts out of Moses' life. We preach precepts out of Paul's life and Peter's life. And all the people of God, they'll shout amen. And even the pastors and teachers will look and say, doesn't that encourage you that this happened to Peter? And doesn't this help you that this happened to Moses? And we say to ourselves, yeah, it happened to Moses, it happened to Peter. But that hasn't been effective for us because we act like the children of Israel instead of trying to be more like Moses. Are you with me? Most of the people in the body of Christ at large sit there and watch the act. And they never get his ways. And we've got to begin to turn and understand that I cannot just be a spectator in the sense of just listening to something that encourages me or lifts me up or even builds me up. But I must begin to take truth that I'm hearing and make certain applications in my life in order for what happened to Moses, Paul, Peter, the apostles, and all these great characters in the scripture come alive for me too. Are you with me? Otherwise, we become just like the children of Israel who kind of get the act, but we don't understand the way. Unless you do that in your life, you will never get the picture. This is, this is, this is heart-wrenching, but it's true. There will be people who love God all their life. I believe they're saved, born again. I'm not questioning the aspect that they, they were received by the Lord. But their whole life will be lived dysfunctionally. Their whole life will be lived in misery. Their whole life will be filled with incredible pains. And they'll never move forward because they refuse to connect dots. Now that's not being tough on you. It's just simply saying you've got to be responsible for that. I can't connect the dots for you. I can't live your life for you. If I could get saved for you, I'd do it, but I can't. I can't, I can't make you be prosperous. I can't make you be successful. I can't make your life better. I can't, but you have great control over whether or not the quality of your life will be what you believe God has promised it to be, and it can be as simple as connecting some dots. So we're going to try to do that. And the first lesson is going to be, and there are going to be different general, I, I just call them counseling areas, but there are going to be different general areas of life, and I'm going to start with finance. I'm going to connect the dots in finances. Now, I want everybody to relax. Everybody take a deep breath and just relax for just a minute. Because I've already received the offering. I'm not receiving another one. Okay? So the next time you're going to get hit with an offering is going to be next Sunday. So just relax. Nobody's going to try to get to your wallet. In fact, this is what I believe the Lord said. He said, demonstrate my mercy by praying for their finances without them even doing anything. So before this is over, I'm going to pray for your financial situation. And, and, and we're not going to talk about, you know, standing up and giving the $1,000 seed and all the rest. Even though that may have its place. But there's the mercy of God to help us connect the dots. And he wants to. He's, 
he's, he's, he's this God who, who wants to do good things in your life, but he has decided to restrict himself or to limit himself to his word. And he will not disobey what he said in order to bless you. Are you with me? You better get that one. He's not going to suspend his laws in order that he can just help you. So, so the Lord wants you to connect dots in these particular areas. Personally, because I told you I just tell them myself. Personally, I learned some financial lessons the hard way. In fact, if it wasn't for some men of God and, and some women of God, really, who a number of years ago helped me connect some dots in my life, I want you to know that I'd be buried now. If they would have had debtors prison, I'd be there right now. My prayer is that some of you this morning begin to have ears to hear. And as you listen to some things that the Lord has spoke to me and taught me, and, and, and I'm just going to just kind of be transparent and let you into my life for a moment, I'm going to pray that you let my and Tracy's experiences be your teacher. Because if you don't let our experiences be your teacher, then pain will be your teacher. Are you hearing me? That's why, that's why you're, can I just say this? This is why people, people don't get authority. You get under authority and, and, and when it's working right, you can let someone else's pain be your teacher. And I don't know about you, I'd just soon let them go through the pain and let me benefit from it. Unfortunately, we're human beings, aren't we? And we don't believe what they tell us at times, and so we're just going to figure it out on our own because ain't nobody going to tell me nothing. And we're going to come back to that one a couple times through this whole series. But your problem is when you ain't letting nobody tell you nothing, and, and I've listened to this for years, I've listened, I just get it straight, I get it straight from God. Well, you know, I do too. But God uses people, and sometimes you need the experience and wisdom and somebody who's connected a few dots in their life so you can get it. Because I've watched people who love Jesus and get it straight from the throne, and they're a mess. I, in fact, I just say, please be quiet about that. that. God doesn't need that kind of help. He's not mad at you. He's just he's trying to help you. Why else do you think he put pastors and evangelists and prophets and teachers and spiritual dads and moms in the script? Why do you think he gives us people? It's, it's so they can help us connect the dots in our life. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, I'll not have you turn to this, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6 and 11, Paul said this. He said, he said, the children of Israel were given to us as an example that you might read of their exploits, that you might read of their problems, and you might not do what they did. He said that to the Corinthian church. He said, this whole thing was given to you so that you could have a clue. And unfortunately, the Corinthians, despite having it all, didn't have a clue. And, and that's why I'm going to try to share a few stories, and I've been interceding. I want you to know that it was Friday night. My Lord, I had not had insomnia like I had on Friday night of this week. I was, I was flip-flopping in bed. You'd have, you'd have thought I was a piece of bacon. I was just flip-flopping. Just, And I'm sitting there. It's, it's 1.30 in the morning, and I've been flip-flopping for three hours. Is there not anything more frustrating than getting insomnia like that? And finally, finally, I've been flip-flopping. I know what some of you are saying, because you're more spiritual than I am. You're saying, well, that's the Lord, Pastor. Who's the Lord? No, it was the tea. It was the tea. <laughs> that the Lord was using. So I get up out of bed, and I plop down on the couch, because I'm just, 
I, can't, I cannot go to sleep. I turn it on. I get Jesse Duplantis, so I laugh, you know, and I'm laughing. But, but the Lord began to speak to me about connecting dots. And I'm here to tell you, because sleep is precious to me. God, I can't tell you. It's one of the most precious things in my life is sleep. I want you to know that the Lord woke me up just for you. Please listen. I'd hate to think all Friday night was wasted on you not listening. I grew up, I guess, by worldly standards, what we would call upper middle class. My folks did pretty well. They weren't, you know, they weren't mega rich or anything, but, but we lived well. But by the time I was 28 years old, it was 1989, I had, I had reached a place in my life where I was having to move into my in-law's home to live. I was in massive financial trouble. I had a total of $300 to my name. All of my belongings were in a rider truck that had to be emptied in 48 hours. I was $30,000 in credit card debt. Up to that time, most of my life, the greatest amount of money I'd ever made up to that time was $300 a week. If you don't have your calculator, that's $15,000 a year. Everything was falling apart. During that year, 1989, Tracy and I had to move five separate times in that one year to different locations for various reasons. I, I could go in and talk, tell you all the different reasons. But the largest place we had to stay for the four of us, we had, we had Clayton and, and Tyler at the time. Kaylin would come along later. But for the four of us, the largest place we had to stay was in a rented place that had 800 square feet. 800 square feet. I worked at Spartan Grain. You've heard some of those stories about jumping on those dairy feed trucks at 3 a.m. in the morning, going into Tennessee and Georgia and, and, and even into Florida a little bit as we would uh, go to dairy farms and we would put grain. I had to mow lawns on the weekend. I had to clean small businesses as well at night. We would actually take our, our boys with us and they would sleep in these small business, like a small insurance business. They would sleep in chairs as, as, as we would clean them late at night and, uh, and take care of that. Um, you've heard me tell the stories about selling suits at J.C. Penney. There were numerous weeks, I'm telling you this story to set you up. There were numerous weeks that we lived, no joke, we lived two or three days on macaroni and cheese. Now, Kalen loves macaroni and cheese, but I look at it to this day and it just... It just, there's something, there's a spirit that just comes with it. So it's no offense, ladies, you may make wonderful macaroni and cheese, but when you've lived on it, you just, you just, it's like, you know, Tom Hanks in Survivor, when they, when they give him that crab leg, you know, after they found him after five years on that deserted island, he didn't want to see another crab. I don't want to see any more macaroni. We had a Christmas where, literally, if the grandparents had not come through for us, our boys wouldn't have. Well, they probably wouldn't have much of anything under the tree. Tracy, we chuckle about this now, but for a woman, this isn't funny. Tracy had to go a whole year with one pair of pantyhose. Can you imagine, can you imagine though, how much God was in that, though, to not run your pantyhose for a whole year? Can you imagine that? That's, like, that's almost like the children of Israel not wearing their shoes out 
in the wilderness. And she didn't rip those things, but I want you to know, she was way careful when she was pulling those things on. Because I'm telling you, it had reached the place where we didn't have money. And back in those days, you know, you got the legs with the egg and it wasn't that much. But I'm here to tell you, if you wanted to eat, you just, you kept wearing the same pantyhose. I know the feeling of a phone ringing after five o'clock in the evening. And knowing in your gut that when you pick that up, it's going to be a collection agency. And you're going to hear the guy hammer you and give you a hard time. And that was back in the day, there were no laws about coming to talk to you and what they could say and all the rest. I mean, it was, it was a hassle that would, just, that would just stir the inside of your guts. We had one vehicle, and I'm sorry, it was a credit old Ford Aerostar. The thing, the thing was just a piece of crud. And that's all we had, man. I mean, we just, and it was, it was, it looked like, I mean, it was just, it looked, oh, it was terrible. I think back to, but how, but if you had to get from here to there, you drove what was terrible. And, and I share this, I could go on and on and on and share with you, but January of 1989, things couldn't have been worse. Tracy's folks had been in an automobile accident. We had just been ostensibly kicked out of our denomination. We were going to live with them in their home, and that just wasn't meant to be. Uh, and, and I could go on and on and on. And I, I remember saying, could it be any worse? And about the time I'd say, could it be any worse? Then something worse would come. And I'm going, oh, sweet Jesus, this is not what I signed up for. Now, I don't tell you all that to somehow impress you because I'm here to tell you it was sad, not impressive. I share it simply to say that as I talk to you, I talk to you as a person who absolutely understands a financially hard season. I'm not talking about a week. I had a hard week. I'm talking about probably 12 to 18 months. I, I didn't know. I, I'm just telling you, you wonder, when you're in that, has anybody been there when you've been in under such financial pressure? You can't, you can't, you can't see your promise because you're just trying to see tomorrow. And I've been there. Trace has been there. We've all been there. Now, some of my problem was natural. I, I, I mean, to be candid with you, I had to learn through that time how to live on a budget. It was just, that's just a natural issue. You, you, got, you can only spend what you take in. Can you say amen to that? I mean, if, if you decide to spend more than you take in, I just you're in trouble. And so some of what we had to learn was simply natural. I had to learn. I had to live on what I made. I had, I had to cut credit cards because I can't, I can't let credit cards control my life. I tell you, one of the big natural, this is just a natural thing, is that I had to suddenly evaluate what was a true need and what was a want. Because I guarantee you, when you get to that level, your needs and your wants switch tremendously. And, and so I had to evaluate what, what was a need that I had and what was a want that I had. So can I just say, when it comes to finances, there may be some of you right now that you could do incredible uh, correcting if you would just let someone help you with some natural things. And we have people here in this church that have a real good handle on that, and I'd be glad to put you in contact with someone like that, and they would probably delight in helping you with some natural things you can do in order to, to put some order into this area. But beyond the natural, because you can go to Crown Ministries, you can listen to Dave Ramsey, I, those, all those folks have their place. But for me, it was not just natural, but there were some spiritual things that were totally, totally missing, totally out of order.
And they had to be addressed. In fact, things never turned around in our life until we implemented some spiritual truths that we had been neglecting, we'd been ignorant of, and we just, we just didn't take seriously. And when all these things began to be implemented, now I'm here to tell you, it wasn't overnight. I'm, I, 12 to 18 months, at least in that particular area, it was probably two years before we finally walked out into a brand new season. But once these things began to be implemented, God supernaturally, I'm not saying that I had to work it off, but as I worked it off, God brought supernatural resource and we paid off that $30,000 debt like that in two years. He allowed us in 1990 to buy our first house. We, we'd been married over eight years. I didn't have enough, a down payment, closing costs. <laughs> Get real. I can't afford 800 square feet. How in the world am I going to afford a 1,500 square foot little ranch house? But in 1990, God enabled us through all of this to get that first house. He also helped us not only to get a better vehicle than that Aerostar, but actually, I'm, I'm telling you, somebody gave us a vehicle. In fact, in my life now, because of some of these principles, I've probably been given one, two, I've been given at least three vehicles since 1990. Now, I'm just telling you, I didn't ask for it, wasn't looking for it, I didn't preach and kind of suggest to the people. I didn't do any of that kind of stuff. You know, you know what I'm saying though, don't you? But God did that. And it has brought me to the place now, and, 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 and I'm just going to share this, we are very middle class. You know me, you, you live with me, you see me around town. I mean, I just got rid of a 150,000 mile Toyota 4Runner that I got tired of taking to the shop all the time. And I was able to make a good deal and trade out for a one-year-old car in order that I could get around better and have some confidence going down the road. We, 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 we don't live over the top. There's no Rolls sitting somewhere. There's no Bentley somewhere. I don't have a condo at a beach down, you know, in Panama City, Florida. Or, or, or a home in the mountains. I mean, I'm not even saying there, there's anything wrong with that. I'd like one one day to be candid with you. So if you say, are you ever going to get one? The answer is, yeah, I'd like one. You would too. Just don't lie to me. You would too. So, but I'm just saying, I, I, I'm presenting all of this simply to say to you that I'm just, I'm just normal. I'm not, I'm not like one of those guys on TV that has, that has this resource network of millions. But I'm just this ordinary guy living an ordinary life Learning how to connect the dots. And I can tell you this, that for several years now, Tracy and I, because of what God has showed us, we've been able for several years to give away 20% of our income. Now, I'm only sharing this because God said, now you can share this. This year, God willing, God willing, but we'll hit it. I'll be able to give away 30% of my total income this year. Now, how many, how many times have we stood up and said, wouldn't it be great one day to be able to to not only give 10 and live on your 90, but to give away 90 and live on the 10. And we all go, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what are you doing to get there? Well, you're going to have to connect some dots. I don't know that I'll get there. I'm going to believe maybe there'll be a day God will let me even to get to that level. But I'm just here to tell you that I, I have to send all my giving reports into the government when I send in my tax return because they wouldn't believe it. And I've never been audited on that. And I don't want to be. Praise God. Lord, don't, don't take that. It's don't, don't want to be. But I can prove it. I can prove everything. 
Praise God. I've been able, God's been able to, me, to help me turn over homes and houses and, 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 and be able to see six-figure numbers come through my household and then to be able to turn around and to be able to write the tithe on that. I'm going to tell you just a little bit more about that as well. Now, is that, does that mean that I don't face? Because some of you right now are saying, well, golly, you've reached the place where you don't face any financial challenges. Uh, no, that's not true. I'm constantly being faced with financial challenges. I'm constantly being faced with, with, with challenges of building programs and sending your children to a Christian school and your son who wants to go to Australia and, and beginning to sow into their dreams. But I can tell you right now, it costs over $30,000 to send my son for those two and a half years uh, into Australia. And, and I, I understood how to write those numbers down when I started figuring up. And I looked at the Lord and I said, Lord, there's no way, there's no way I can do this unless you help. And we were able to do that and not incur one debt. My, my other son's been able to do two years of an internship, and he's been supported, and we've not incurred a debt to be able to do that. Now, I'm not a magical person. It's not, this, it's not just, well, God loves you because you're a pastor, and he doesn't love me. No, I can tell you exactly. God was nailing my tush to the wall, and I was a pastor. He said, it's time to connect the dots. It's time to do that. Now, there are three areas that are most overlooked in all of our lives. Now, I'm going to get here. Now, we're going to go quick, but I've got to go through this quick because I'm going to keep going over this again and again and again. There are three areas that are the most overlooked principles. Before I tell you those three areas, let me just say this. That for years, I thought that the way to get out of my problem was one dramatic act. And so I'd listen to somebody on television who challenged me with a $1,000 seed and I'd write the $1,000. I've done it. And God has blessed. God has blessed us on numerous occasions by doing some of those things. But I'm going to look at you and tell you something. God, God, God isn't going to teach you a dramatic act today. God wants to teach you a life of connecting the dots. And if you'll walk this out, you won't, you won't need a dramatic act. You'll, you'll be a dramatic, consistent, stable Christian that people will marvel. Not because you won the lottery... How many of you know there aren't that many people that win the lottery? And, and I'm, I'm to the place where I believe that it's great to sow things and it's great to hear the stories, but I want to know, know how this works every day. You see, I could stand in front of a TV camera, look at millions of people, tell you to give your last thousand dollars, and I never have to talk to you again. But my problem is, if I tell you that, you're in my office Monday morning. So I sure enough better know what I'm talking about. And there are three things I can tell you right now. We're going to come back to this over and over and over again. Three things that people, for whatever reason, refuse to get a handle on. But these are the three things, three spiritual precepts that almost invariably show up when things aren't happening like we think they're supposed to happen. Number one is this. We don't get sowing and reaping. I'm just not talking about your money to get money. I'm talking our whole life is about sowing and reaping. Everything we say, every action we do, every response we give, everything in our life is sowing and reaping. You, you driving from your home to church this morning, you sowed some things into the ground. Everything is about it. And until you get a revelation that my life is about sowing and reaping, you won't get why it is that you face the things you face. Some of you right now are facing things not because the devil has your number, it's because you've got so much seed in the ground... It's come back to haunt you. 
Now, there's a way to seek the mercy of God and hopefully begin to to clip off some of the repercussion of that. But when you understand that, you can begin to sow good seed in difficult situations so that you'll begin to reap those good things that you want to reap. But I'm telling you, if you refuse to get this, if you are of the mindset that you're just going to live life any way you want to do it, you're going to say what you want, do what you want, be what you want, then do it and I'll guarantee you, you'll get to enjoy it. You'll find out exactly how you are because God will give all kinds of people just like you to you. Sowing and reaping. Number two, got to hurry. Vows and judgment. These are a lot like sowing and reaping. And if you don't understand vows and judgments, you can go to encounter. And we'll talk more about that encounter and touch on it in these next few weeks. But people have so many vows and judgments. I'll never be like my mom. I'll never be like my dad. You'll never catch me doing that. I'll never have a kid like that. I'll never do. I'll never do. And all of a sudden, you've issued a vow or a judgment. And by the same measure you judge, it shall be judged back to you. And it comes upon you. Then finally, number three, it's bitterness and unforgiveness. We live in a society that's just overloaded with bitterness and unforgiveness. This is one hard area. I'll be the first to admit, when you've been betrayed, when, when, when there's been injustice or unfairness in your life, I mean, you can, you, can, you can begin to put into motion your whole list of why you should be like you are. But I'm telling you, it will circumvent the goodness of God in your life. And you're going to have to learn in relationship to go through this. And so I'm going to be sharing in these next weeks on different subjects, we're going to come back to these concepts and I'm just going to tell you how it kind of worked in my life. And hopefully for a moment, you can, you can begin to see that, that, you know, this is how it works in a person's life. I can't force you to get it. Nobody's going to come and, and knock on your door or call you up on the phone to see if you get it. When Tracy and I began to go through these financial things, nobody followed up on us, nobody called us up, nobody checked on us, nobody said, are you getting it, what are you doing? There was zero, zero natural accountability in our life. We had just reached the place where there was such pain, such pain in our life, that we had to say, God, we've got, we, we are teachable, oh God. Please tell us, send us somebody to minister, do something, but there was such pain. I'm telling you, don't Don't let pain be your teacher if you can avoid it. But that's our problem. You don't listen until you're in pain. Oh, please don't. If I could just say one, please don't. Learn from my pain. Let me think. Let me think that my pain was for something. I don't want any more pain in my life. You don't want any more pain in your life. But if we don't start learning from other people's pain, then we're just going to experience it because we will get these lessons. We will get them. Amen. It says in Proverbs 13, 13, it says, if you despise the word, if you despise instruction, uh, instruction, it will lead to destruction. If you despise the word, if you despise instruction, it will lead to destruction. If you blow me off, it doesn't affect me any. We'll walk out, we'll still be friends. You'll still come to church and we'll do our thing. But if you blow it off, the Bible says, ultimately, it will lead to your destruction. He said, but the the proverb writer said, but if you respect it, it will be your reward. So I'm going to give you just some spiritual concepts about your finances. And I'm going to go bang, 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 bang. I, I, I could spend, how many of you know when you talk about finances, you could take months 
on this subject. I don't have months. But I'm going to tell you the five chronic violations that people enter into that, that automatically position themselves not to go forward. And these are, just, these, are the, these are the chronic ones. There are others to be sure, but these are chronic. Number one is this. Money is spiritual. Money is spiritual. I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter what you think or what you don't think. Money, in my opinion, and I believe it's according to the word of God, money, outside of your personal confession and the words that you speak out of your mouth, money is the most spiritual thing you will transact on a day-by-day basis. It is absolutely spiritual. Whatever you have in your wallet right now, that is spiritual. That you're transacting spiritual things with your money. The top three subjects that Jesus talked about, had, he, talked, he talked a lot about hell, he talked a lot about eternal life, and he talked a lot about money. Those are the top three subjects that Jesus continually dealt with. Now, I want you just to think about this biblically for just a moment. Money being spiritual. Think about it. Just go through the scripture. What happened to Achan when he didn't handle, when he didn't handle the finances or the money or the spoil right? Well, it caused all the people of God to be shut down in order to uh, uh, achieve their promise or to secure the promised land. Gehazi, who was the servant of Elisha, was given some money and he didn't handle the money right and it says that he got leprosy. The Bible tells us that when we handle uh, our money right and when we do with it what we're supposed to do with it, that God will open up the windows of heaven, he will actually pour a blessing out that we'll not be able to contain and he'll, because of our use of money, will actually rebuke the devourer. He'll rebuke Satan off of our situation. The Bible says this, the Bible says that as we're obedient with what's in our hands, that there will actually be the capacity to see true, true spiritual riches released to us. Jesus said this in Luke 16. He says, if you've not been faithful in the use of money, unrighteous man, and if you've not been faithful in the use of money, who will release to you true spiritual riches? So so you see how spiritual this is suddenly becoming? Ask Ananias and Sapphira just how spiritual their money was. Pretty powerful, huh? Ask Cornelius, because the Lord said to Cornelius, I have seen your alms or your money you're giving, and I have heard your prayers, and now I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. That's what God said. Paul said to the Macedonians, he said, you abound in knowledge despite the fact that you're living uh, really in a, in a lax situation, an impoverished situation. He said, you abound in, in knowledge. And he says, the reason is, is because you know how to handle your money. He would go on to say to them, he said that because you've handled this right and you know what it is to transact with money, he said that favor, he said, all grace, all favor abounds to you. Listen to me, the reason some of us can't get under the favor spout is because we never understood that our wallet was a connection spiritually to what God could potentially do. Don't tra- fall into the trap. I've listened to this, and it's, it's, just, it's just foolishness. People saying, well, all they talk about is your money. What does God care about money? God doesn't need my money. What is God? I mean, he has everything. He doesn't need my money, and it's true. God doesn't need your money, but your money and how you handle it is a reflection of spiritually... What's going on in your life? He doesn't need a dime of yours, but dear God, you need him to function in that area. Now, blow me off. You can, but I'm telling you, this is a connect point. Your money, the Bible says where a man's treasure is, there his heart will be also. 
that Jesus literally said that I, I can look at your checkbook register and I can figure out spiritually where you're at. That's what Jesus was saying there. Connect the dots. Money is spiritual. That's the first thing we had to get a hold of. Our money is spiritual. Number two, tithing is not optional. I just, I, I'm, now listen, it's, it, you do what you want. I've listened to everything through the years. But I'm just going to share with you what God shared with us. This is the beginning place of obedience. The beginning place of obedience. You know, it's interesting to me that Jesus was nailing the Pharisees all the time. He would zip them consistently for their life and what they were doing and their self-righteousness and how they prayed. And I mean, he was zipping them constantly. He called them vipers and, you know, whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's tombs. But you know the one affirming thing he said to them? This is the about, I think about the only affirming thing to them, he said. He said, rightly did you tithe. Dill, mint, and cumin. This you should have done without neglecting the other things. That's what he affirmed them with. And, and you need to understand that this is the beginning place. Now, listen to me, folks. I can't be partially obedient. I can't partially be obedient. Partial obedience really is disobedience. I, I'm just going to tell you a story. This is years ago. I was... I was uh, uh, janitor, you've heard all my janitor stories when we lived in Kansas, and, and, and I was cleaning up one evening, the principal was still there, and uh, I'll just tell you, he was a Presbyterian gentleman, and uh, he was a good guy in, in a lot of ways, and he, and he just stopped me just out of the blue, he really didn't talk to me much, but he stopped me one night out of the blue, and he asked me this question, he said, how much do you tithe? And I stopped, and I, I said, well, you know, that's kind of like asking who's buried in Grant's tomb. I, 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 I mean, I, I tithe 10%. He goes, well, you know, I figured it out on my budget, and I figured all I can tithe is 7%. Well, well, the problem is, is that if you give 7%, don't call it tithe. Now, you may give 7%, we'll clap for you. And I'm sure your church appreciates it, and I'm sure they redeem it and use it for all sorts of wonderful things. And the benevolence part of it is, is wonderful. But, but let me just share with you, 7%, just because you put tithe on the end of it, doesn't make it a tithe. People give oftentimes, which is good, don't misunderstand me. I, I, I'm glad people give. Believe me, to keep the work of the ministry, you're glad people give. But they give listening to all that's being taught, expecting God to bless them. However, if the tithe is not complete, you cannot expect an activation of spiritual promises. Now, I'm just telling you what we had to learn. We looked at it. There was a season. Trace and I were not doing this right. And we had to sit down and say, we're wrong. And we had, what God said to us was, and you do what you want. We just had to catch up. Because we just said, you know, we've really been walking in disobedience. We've known better. And so we just had to catch up. But what we learned was, is because if I'm under a curse, if there's a curse over me, then, then promise can't break through. 
Now, God's mercy may at times break through in that good news, but I, but you can't just live hoping his mercy always breaks through. You've got to live putting yourself outside of the shadow of a curse and begin to get under the pipeline where God can begin to move for you. During our toughest days, we kept the tithe complete. The reason being, we looked at each other one day. I got people calling me on the phone. I'm eating macaroni and cheese. The Aerostar is breaking down half the time. And we looked at each other, and there was a moment, as every one of us will be, challenged on our budget as to what we're going to do with the money that's in front of us. But we've decided this is spiritual. It is spiritual. And truth of the matter is, I owe so many people that even if I started throwing it around, it hardly touched them. My, I am going to pay them back. But here's the key. I'd sure enough would rather make the electric company irritated with me than make my God somehow limited in what he could do in my life. I couldn't afford. I can't afford to get out from under his blessing. The electric company, folks, is not going to come and bless you. That, now, this is, you don't, just ignore me, despise it. I don't, I, I don't want to irritate you in any way, shape, or form. I'm just sharing with you what God had to do in our life. I'll hold off a credit card because I can't stiff-arm God. I've had folks ask me this, and this is hard. Don't, and I'm, once I do this, I'll have nobody ask me this again. But people will come to me at times and they'll say, Pastor, I'm going through a tough time. Is it okay to hold back the tithe? Is it okay to reduce it, maybe keep track of it, and, and, you know, and then later on I can catch up? And my response has always been this, because I don't want to have this discussion with you in an aisle or a foyer or even in my office. I, I mean, all I can do is just you know, do my shoulders, and, I, and most of the time this is what I'll say, well, I guess you've got to do what you've got to do. I mean, wherever you're at, I guess is where you're at. And if you don't have a revelation at this particular point that you've got to stay under the pipeline of blessing, then really... Hearing my answer isn't going to help you because if you're giving because this is what pastor said, then you're in trouble. But if you're giving because this is what God said, then you're under the pipeline. You're just wanting a sense of affirmation from the man of God that you can kind of do something that isn't obedience. See, what I think doesn't matter, does it, folks? I mean, it really doesn't matter. I mean, I teach the word. I try to teach it to you complete and straight. And by me sharing it, hopefully it makes sense. But ultimately, my opinion doesn't mean nothing. It's what God says. The greatest obstacle we found to any act of obedience is fear. It doesn't matter if it's your money, your relationships, your family, your marriage, your career, your job. The greatest impediment to your act of obedience is fear. The reason you don't do what at times you feel like you need to do, you ought to do, you know to do, the only reason you're stopped from doing it is fear. You fear what could be. You fear what might be the repercussion. You fear, if, if, if I do this, I might not eat. If I do this, I might not have the money in order to pay the rent. If I do this, I might not, it may happen. I understand, I've been there. I have totally been there. I get what, what you're feeling inside of you. But that, that fear cannot dictate your obedience. That fear cannot control your life because if it gets you now, it'll have you the rest of your life. It wouldn't matter whether you make $1,000 a year or you make $10 million a year. It won't matter. Let me tell you, they, they released Obama's 
giving record, and now he's getting with it because he's running for president. But up to 2007, he gave less than 1%, making hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, I'm not here, I'm not endorsing a candidate. I'll criticize George Bush. I think George Bush has done some things that are totally out out of bounds. I believe that. You can say you can think he's Jesus himself. Believe me, I'll offend a Republican as quickly as I'll offend a Democrat. Amen. The point I'm trying to make is this. It doesn't matter your position, your zeros, or whatever it may be. If you don't get this, you'll never break through. Because God doesn't work through your fear. And I'll tell you what, you need a fear of God. That's where I am. So it's not optional. Now, I I could go hours on that one, but I'll let that one go. Number three. These are just connected to that point. Understanding the speed of my obedience. The speed of my obedience. Now, up to 1989, well, let me ask you this question. Has there ever been a time in your life where God seemed slow? Am I the only one that has ever experienced that? Saying, hey, you know, I'm waiting on you, God. My address is. This is my phone number. I mean, I mean, God's slow. Some, that's what it seemed like to me. It seemed like he sure enough was slow. Now, he would at times move, but I always, in fact, I, I had a little sermon and, and I had to kind of redo it after I began to get this revelation. He always seemed like when he moved, it was at the last second. My fingernails were on the edge of the cliff. I'm just about ready to fall. And he came through. We'd all go hallelujah. Isn't that just like God? Never early, never late, right on time. You know. Well, you know what? That isn't biblical. It's not biblical. The Bible says this, that God is not slack. God is not slow concerning his promises, as some men count slowness. That's what the Bible says. And I had to get a revelation that if things were happening to me slowed, why, slow, why is this? Can I give you this suggestion? I was sowing slowness. My whole life, I sowed slow. My whole life, I sowed procrastination. My whole life, I drugged my feet. My whole life, if there was something spiritually I knew to do, I'd have to weigh it, think about it, pray about it, even though it was clear. You know, and then again, it was one of those times where I said, I'm, I'm being prudent, I'm using wisdom. No, you're not. You're being rebellious and you're stiff-necked. But I was sowing slowness. And so what was I getting? If, whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So if I'm sowing slow, what do I reap? Slow. So let me just give you an example of what I would do. This is just an example of what I would do. And I was just, I, was, I love God. Don't misunderstand me. I pastor people. Sure I love God. I may not have loved people, but I sure enough love God. But let's say I made $1,000 that month. Well, $100 of it, of course, would be the tithe. And, and, and so I was getting paid once a month, but I wanted to bring an offering every week to the Lord. So this is what I would do. I would, I would, I would sign a $25 check, and for four weeks in that month, I would bring a $25 check week one, $25 check week two, $25 check week three, and a $25 check week four. Well, who could, who could say I was anything other than obedient? But the problem was, was that as soon as I was increased, I held it. And I was slow with being complete in my obedience. I was slow. It took a month, literally, 
Is this not true? It's true. It took a month for me to get it all in, despite the fact that I was increased on the first. So I sowed slowness. So God began to deal with us in this particular area. So anytime we were increased, we just, we just with speed began to move. To this very day, I, I won't tell you what drawer because someone will get in that drawer and take my checkbook. I have, a, I have a checkbook in my drawer there in my office. And as soon as that check gets cut off, sometimes it, you know, it'll get just laid right there on my desk. And I'll see it and the first thing I'll do is I'll open up my drawer, pull out my checkbook and I write it off. And I pull it off and I slip it in a folder and I put it right there. And I said, Lord, before the government gets theirs, before the electric company gets theirs, before everybody whose fingers are in this get theirs, you're getting yours. You are first and I am quick. The whole thing. It's not, in fact, it's not even about speed. It's also about control. We've got to acknowledge God is the controller and the owner and nothing takes the place of first place in my life. I can't control it. I write it. It's his. My hands are off it. I can't designate it. I can't direct it. It's under him to, to the storehouse. I just, I release it quickly. It's yours. It's not mine. The tithe is not mine to choose. It's his. God says you're bringing his money. It's not yours. He, you, he says bring my, my tithe into the storehouse. So understand, it ain't even yours. You, I know you think it is, but it's not. So obedience. I, pay, I do my best to pay things as quickly as possible. I pay my, my bills as quickly as possible. I, you know, I don't try to, to, to wait them out 20, you know, 30, 60, 90 days until I get the final notice. And, and then I finally say, okay, or you know, I had a friend of mine who'd never pay his credit card bill. And he'd let it go, he'd let it go, let it go. Then, he, then he'd call him up and he'd want to negotiate a settlement. And, and then he wondered why God doesn't bless his life. Just because it's legal don't mean it's right. Speed, completeness in your obedience. Are you, are you, are you catching some things here? Be quick. If you're always late on everything you do, you are sowing God being late for you. Amen. I'll, I'll go on. If, if, let me tell you, if you're, I'll just keep going here. If you're cheap with waitresses and servers and restaurants, God will be cheap with you. Amen. I'll tell you what, when that little waitress comes to me and I, and I write down what I do and I always, it's 20%. And I give her 20%. I guarantee you, there are restaurants I can go to in this town and they'll fight over seating me. I go to the Mexican restaurant and there's a little guy over there that we know, don't know his name, can't hardly talk to him, but he smiles when we come in. I guarantee you, they ain't spitting in my food or making anything. I guarantee you. Why are we being cheap all the time? We're just cheap. Cheap. Life, everyone repeat after me and just say, I can I say life is about sowing and reaping. It's not just about your money, it's about everything there is about you. Number four, I gotta hurry. I, I, we had to get a revelation of what it meant to be increased. The Bible says that when we respond to God, we had we had to uh, tithe on our increase. Anytime, uh, anytime I'm increased, I tithe on it. It's not just my salary, but anytime I'm increased. 
Anytime I'm increased, I'll say it again, anytime I'm increased, I tithe on it. What does that mean? I get birthday cards that may give me $50 to go down to Walmart or some other place. I've been increased, have I not? Well, you know what? Somehow or another, there's going to be an extra five bucks that acknowledges God because I've been increased. Somebody buys me dinner. I've been increased. Now, in the beginning, I kept this, I kept this precisely in the beginning. Nowadays, I've reached the place where my giving is, I mean, I, I mean, I've just not increased as much as now, praise God, I can give. But if I'm given a product, even if I'm given a car, I'll find out the value of the car and, and I tithe on the, because I've been increased. God can count on me figuring up the increase and acknowledging him that. And when he sees that, he keeps increasing me. I remember when I sold a house. In 13 months, I purchased it for $200,000, and in 13 months, I sold it for $350,000. That's $150K. I was increased. Now, the government got its capital gains, boo-hoo. But God got his. 15K. 15,000, tithe. Undirected. Hands off. It's yours. Into the storehouse. You say, you really did that? Sure, I did that. 150,000, that's, that's chicken feed compared to a million I'd like him to put into my hand someday. And if he can trust me with that, why couldn't he trust me now with a million? Because he knows I can write it. We've taught this to our kids. We've looked at our children. And we've taught them to be quick and we've taught them to be complete. If grandma and grandpa sends little Kaylin a $20 gift certificate, we look at her and say, honey, you're going to find $2 and it's going to the house of God, isn't it? If she babysits and makes herself $10 babysitting on a, on a connect group night, she'll bring that check home, we'll give her $10 and say, don't you forget, when you go to the house of God, there's a dollar of it that's going to go into that. And we teach it because you know what? I'm not going to let them live to about their mid-30s or 40s and live under a curse all that time. And I didn't do my job to help them get it. And there are children right now. My son Tyler worked at Target. He got his check every week. And you say, well, that's awful controlling, Pastor. Yeah, it is. I'm controlling him into the blessing. And he'd get $111. And I'd look at him and I'd say, we know that $11... Well, I'll put it back like this. We look at our children and say, don't you dare put a decimal point on it. I'll get to that one in just a second, too. He said, you just get your 12 bucks together and you give it to the Lord. And we've taught them that. We taught all of our children. All, once we got these lessons, we began teaching them because nobody taught this to me when I was growing up. And so I was 28, 29, 30 years old before some of this stuff was finally getting inside of me. And I'm here to declare to you this day, and, and I'm proud of them, but Clayton Baird is 22 years old, and I'm here to tell you, at 22 years old, he makes exponentially more money than I did when I was 22. Don't you begrudge it to him. He's been tithing since he's about five years old. And here he is at 22. He's, he's making, I, well, I won't even tell you what he's making, but I guarantee you it's two to three times more than some in this room would be making. And, and you would think you'd make a pretty good salary. He, he's doing okay. But I'm, but I'm telling you, it's because a parent looked at him and said, I'm going to help you with this because, you know, at 18, if you choose to go live under a curse, that's your business. But as long as you're here, ain't going to be no curses in this house. Amen. Are you with me? What are we teaching the next generation? Do you understand in one generation, we could own the whole place? 
if we teach it to them. But what do we say? Well, they're going to learn it on their own. Bless God, I had to learn it on my own. No, don't do that. Let them learn from your pain. And if they won't learn from your pain, if they're still under your household, inflict a little pain so they'll learn it. Because if you won't listen, let me, let me tell you kids, if you won't listen to your parents and you won't listen to your spiritual authorities and you won't listen to your teachers and you won't listen, then life will be painful. And some of it, some of it may come from those who love you the most. But if they can't get to you, I'll guarantee you God has somebody that'll get to you. Because it doesn't, it doesn't matter how big a knothead, knucklehead, hardhead you may be. God can get you with pain. Amen. Because we've grown up a generation that heard mercy, mercy, love, love, love. God loves you so much, he'll chastise you. Amen. Then finally, number five. Are you still with me? Oh, please, please hang with me. Number five. This is it. Number five. I had to learn what it meant to give out of my spirit and not my soul. I'm just, these are connect the dot things. Second Corinthians 9, 7 says, it says, let each one give as he purposes in his heart. What, the heart is actually a, a synonym for your spirit, your inner man. Now people, let me just share this with you folks. Most people tend to give out of their soul. What I mean by that is, is that oftentimes there'll be a moment of emotion. You're moved. You see all the little kids on television. And they don't have food. They don't have water. Now listen to me all the way through. And you're moved by that, by that need. There's an emotion there's somebody who told, I was watching the other day, and a preacher told a gut-wrenching story. And after he was done, I looked at Trace and said, I'm ready to empty this checking account right now. I mean, I, that was one good story. But that was, that was an emotion. Emotion derives from your soul, right? Here's the other way we derive from our soul. There's some of us that will look at things and will say, hmm, does that make sense? Is that logical? Is that reasonable? And you're giving out of your soul just as surely as the one who emotionally gives out of their soul. So here's the deal. I'm not, you don't get rid of those feelings. Don't, don't misunderstand. That, that thing won't, won't go away. But if you give out of your soul, then you're circumventing the Holy Spirit and what God can do in your finances. God wants to birth things in your spirit. Listen, I tithe... Number one is I've just reached the place where I want to be obedient, but my tithing isn't derived from my rationality, and my tithing isn't, divided, uh, isn't, isn't, isn't uh, entered into because somehow I, I, I'm emotionally you know, moved by that somehow. The reason I tithe is, is because in my inner man, I've been quickened unto obedience, and, I, and it delights in obedience, and so out of my spirit, I, just, I obey. I can't say and say, well, just, the spirit just hadn't witnessed to me about that. Well, that's a lie, because God doesn't, God doesn't somehow not confirm his word. It's, it's like saying, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go run around and commit adultery, fornication, drunkenness, commit idolatry, because God just hadn't spoken my spirit on that stuff. Well, that's ridiculous. It, your, your inner man's been enlivened for obedience, but beyond that, your spirit has got to get into your checkbook. People don't see God in their finances because we're always looking for a shortcut. We're always looking for a gimmick. 
I have given more offerings over somebody on television saying, if you'll give, according to Isaiah 54.11, if you'll give $54.11, God will come and do A, B, C, and D. And I'm writing my $54.11, sending it in the mail. And now, of course, you can call up and give them your credit card number. But out of all of that stuff, it didn't ever seem to work. And I'm beginning to understand why. It's because I was moved in my soul, but it never got in my spirit. Now, I'll tell you this, there have been times that we have written checks off to folks on the television. There have been times we've written checks off in certain offerings, but it was in our spirit. We got it in our spirit. And as soon as that money was released because it was birthed in our spirit, God moved on that thing. Are you hearing me? Some of you right now, right now, are saying, you know, Lord, I gave, I even gave to legacy. Because they're building a building, but here was what you did. You were either moved emotionally when I shared with you, or you, you said to yourself, well, that's logical. We need a place to stay permanently. So well, that seems to make sense to me, so I'm going to help Pastor Baird out. I'm grateful that you gave. And I'm grateful that you're going to do your best to be true to it. I'm grateful. But what you need to do is you need to get your card back out again, get in your prayer closet, get down on your knees, and say, God, let me get this in my spirit. I need this not just in my head and not just in my emotions, but I want, I want my giving to get in my spirit because when it's in my spirit, when it's in my spirit, that's the moment you touch it and it can begin to take place. That's birth there. Are you with me? It's birthing something in your spirit. Now, I'm ending with this. The next phrase in that 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says this. The next phrase, it says, that God loves a cheerful giver. He says, don't give grudgingly or of necessity. I told you I'd get back to this real quick. I told Tyler one time, he's writing out the check and he's putting the decimal point. And I said, don't put the decimal point. I've watched this several times in the years. People will, people will turn in their tithe. Now, I'm not saying they aren't being accurate. But it'll, it'll have some number. I've seen numbers like $256.22. Tithe. $536.81. Now, I, I, I applaud you because you're accurate. You're obedient. You're doing good. But let me just suggest this to you. If you raise the 81 cents up to the dollar, can I tell you what? You, because you see what you're sowing? What you said is this. I am going to do only what needs to be done. That's what the Lord showed me. And I always have to lift it up just a little bit because I don't want God dealing with me only, only enough to keep my nose above the waterline. Are you with me? I'm telling you, all life's sowing and reaping. God will come through for you. Don't miss it. He'll come through for you. But just enough. I want to live in more than enough. I don't want to be blessed. I want to be overtaken. I want to be trustworthy that God can begin to move in me. And I'm telling you, the difference between point... 0.95 and 0.00 may be the difference between you just staying above the waterline and you being walking on water. Just those few cents. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Lord said, the measure you use shall be measured back to you. The measure, you, well, however you measure, it'll be measured back to you. I want God to be gracious and liberal. It's the only time I'd probably use the word liberals right there. I want God to be liberal with me. I want God to be 
over the top. I want, I want God just to say, let it roll to him. Let it roll. Now, you say, well, pastor, you don't experience? No, I have financial challenges. Sure I do. There's still an enemy. There's still my flesh that sows things that I, get, that I reap from. That I, Whether you do it in ignorance or not, doesn't matter. You sowed it. So do I still have challenges? Sure, I still have challenges. But I'm here to tell you as one who can testify that in, that in 12 to 18 months, I just started connecting dots. And God started doing some incredible things in our life. He can do that for you. I want him to do that for you. I want you to be over the top blessed. I want your heart's desire to be met. If I could do it, I'd just do it because I'm sort of compassionate in that regard. But God is not going to suspend law for you or for me. He just doesn't. So we've got to determine today, Lord, at least in this area, I'm going to connect the dots. Now, aren't you glad I'm not receiving an offering right now? Because I'd get it all from you right now. But here's the point. I don't want your emotion. I, w- I, w- I want you to let it percolate a week, two, ten. Because I, God wants your obedience. If, if it doesn't get in your spirit, it ain't going to do you any good anyway. That'll still help me out, but it ain't going to do you any good. Are you with me? And the mercy of God is this, that if you have a willing heart, I believe God will do everything in his power, and he has all power, to move for you, but you've got to start connecting those dots. I want to pray for you right now. Everybody stand with me. Amen. i got just a few moments, but here's what I want to ask right now. Let's just be honest. I'm honest, and and I told you about my life, and, and I'm going to tell you more about our successes and our failures and when we get to relationship and these, some of these issues, I've got some doozies to tell you. I don't want in any way, shape, or form for you to think somehow or another, he's, well, he's arrived. No, I haven't arrived. But I want to. This is what we're going to do. In these last moments, I'm going to pray. I want to pray for your obedience and for God to help you in your finances. Because you're going to have to find a way in your finances for God to move. And right now, if God spoke to you, I, I, I hit so many topics here this morning, but it doesn't matter if God spoke to you. Would you just slip out from where you are? If God spoke to you on a certain area and, and you're saying, man, I got to get this one right here before I go. I just want you to come and just present yourself. No condemnation. We're not throwing stuff at you. We don't think you're bad. It's not that God doesn't love you. It's not that you ain't going to heaven. Come on, let's just get over it. But you're just saying, boy, this one talked to me. And I want, I want to get complete in this area. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. You know what my biggest problem was, and it still is to some extent, is pride. I don't want anybody to know that, I'm, that you know, maybe I'm not, I don't have it all together in a certain area. That is my single biggest issue, is pride. Is that I'll hear something, and, and I'll know it's touching me, and then I'll go, okay. I'll, it's, it's what every guy does. Every guy does this. They say to themselves, okay, that's good. I'll deal with it when I get out to the car. I'll deal with it when I go home. And I'm telling you, the truth of the matter is, if you don't deal with it right now, it probably isn't going to get dealt with. That's what I found out. And I've done that more times than I can count. And I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. When God speaks to me to just be instantly obedient. And if he's talking to you in this area, maybe you've got this, and that's wonderful, and I affirm you. But if God's talking to you, I just want to pray that God will help you right now. Amen. You want his help, don't you? 
Come on, you want his help in this area. It's fine. And we got to have finances, don't we? I got to pay my bills. I got to pay my rent. I got to pay my car payment. I got to put gas in my car. Dear God, I got to put gas in my car. I mean, I, I just got, I got to, you know, I, I like to go eat, out to eat every now and then. I, I mean, I got the, boy, this is pastor, pastor, help, 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 help. All I can tell you is, is that we did naturally what we had to do. And then we also did spiritually what we needed to do. You can't just say one or the other. You can't just keep waiting for the, the special offering. And if I just give this money and that special offering, everything will turn around. It may. I'm not saying God wouldn't act on that. But by and large, for most of us, you're a lot like me. For most of us, it's not that I'm going to win God's lottery. Most of it is I've got to connect the dots. Let's believe right now for that. Would you just close your eyes? Congregation, just you two, just enter in. I want to pray for all of you in finances, but for these that move forward this morning, I especially want to pray for you. Because what you're saying to me is, God, you're speaking to me, and I want to, I want to jump into this thing. Give me grace. Empower me. Cause my inner man to make me courageous and not fear. Not fear. Folks, I'd preach this here to you. I'd preach it to any church in America. It works. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your people right now. Can, can you just give me a sign of surrender? Just kind of, if you could just put your arms out in front of you or up over your head. or how, But just give, give God the sign of surrender. And just say right now, I give. <laughs> I literally, I give up, Lord. <laughs> Lord, I pray right now for your people as they're just before you in, a, in an open way. Lord, first off, I break fear off their life in Jesus' name. The Bible says that God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You're not asking us to do something crazy. You're asking us just to be obedient. Lord, help them now. However you spoke to them, Lord, as I look across at, at this group that's standing here, as I look across the congregation, Lord, I'm not looking at people who are just flying in your face and just saying, ain't no way, no how. Lord, I'm looking at people that are in the house of God and they're, they're, they're wanting to walk it out and they're wanting to do what pleases you. But Lord, we didn't know or somehow we forgot or we didn't know how to apply it. And Lord, I, I'm sure I probably missed a hundred areas that could have been touched, but you are faithful to touch us. And I pray right now, Lord, for these people's finances. Lord, I don't care what state they're in right now. I don't care right now if they're struggling just to maintain. I don't care if it's, their, it's a good season, but they just don't have everything in order. I, it doesn't matter if if they're hearing their phone ring at 5 o'clock at night and they're going, I don't even want to answer it. Lord, I understand where they're at and I'm sure you do. But Lord, I pray right now that you would help them enter into this new season. Lord, I, it, you don't need their money. And truth of the matter is, while it is true, any, anything that comes through this local church, I get to steward into the kingdom things. And so that's always a delight. But Lord, they need this for them. They need it for them. Lord, help them right now. Lord, I ask that you would be gracious unto them. That you would be merciful unto them. Lord, I pray right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would swiftly show them and give them the confirming moments to their connecting of the dots. So they, they would see, Lord, that it's not just what Pastor said as he talked one Sunday, but they would say, this is God. This is God. Lord, I want you in their life. They don't need me. They need you. They need you big in their life. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would 
confirm and establish in their heart the commitments that are being made right now. Whatever area, I just let them commit, just like they were, as if they were getting saved again. Lord, they're just committing and saying, you know, Lord, you've talked to me. I'm, I'm doing this somehow or another. I'm going to test you in this. I've given years, years to doing it this way. Now it's time I started giving you some time and seeing what you can do. I believe you can. With every head bowed and every eye closed right now, would you just say unto the Lord, and you've got, you've got to mean it, I can't make you do this. I'm not going to, next week we're on another subject, so I'm not going to follow up with you or call you on the phone. But right now, I want you before the Lord just to tell Him in your own way, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I get it. No one's going to check up on me, Lord, but I get it. No one's going to follow up and see if I follow through. I'm just telling you, I get it. Holy Spirit, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm committing to you right now, Lord. I get it. I get it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've been like a hard head, but I get it. Thank you, Lord, for being merciful to me, and I get it. I repent. I repent from whatever it was that, that ensnared me. And Lord, I, I just say I'm loosed in Jesus' name to walk in what's going on in my spirit. Lord, hear your people's prayer right now. Hear it, Lord, I pray. And now, Lord, I ask that as they respond in obedience, come on now, I want you to lift your hands one more time. If they're not up, I'm, just, I'm lifting mine up right now. Father, I ask as they respond in obedience right now. Congregation, this is you too. Everybody, I want the house of God to lift up their hands because I'm declaring right now as we respond in obedience to the Lord, Lord, let the windows of heaven begin to be poured out and opened in the name of Jesus. Lord, you know the needs, but you're unmoved by the needs. I want you to see the obedience and the faith in your people right now. Lord, I can bring you needs till the day I die, but Lord, I want you to see obedience and faith and Lord, out of that obedience and out of that faith, bless your people. Lord, entrust them with great things. Increase them and enlarge them. Lord, resource their dreams. Resource their futures. Resource your purposes. Resource, Lord, your will in their lives. Lord, cause us to see Deuteronomy 28 when it says that we're the head and not the tail. And we're above and not below. And, and Lord, we will lend and not borrow. And we'll be blessed in our baskets and in our barns. And if the enemy comes against us one way, he will scatter in seven ways. If, if, if we obey the voice of the Lord our God. Lord, let it be said of us they obeyed. And Lord, we know you'll be true to your word. Thank you, Lord. This is going to be the greatest week of our life. Miracles are coming. Situations are changing. I'm telling you, God wants to turn the table on the enemy. And what you thought was meant for your destruction is going to suddenly produce a blessing. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Thank you, Lord, that we can just have the liberty we've had today just to talk to your people. They are a loving, receptive people. And I thank you for that. Now, Lord, we just stand in what you've done, delighting in how you're going to do it.
Bless them, I pray, in Jesus' name. And all the assembly said amen. Let's give the Lord one more big hand clap, can we? Come on now. Listen to me real quick, real quick. See, I'm breaking right now. I'm breaking off you. There, some, of you some of you have a, a lot of money. I mean, in other words, your needs are met, but you're still impoverished. You have, so in the poverty spirit, we're breaking. And we're not thinking poverty. We're not thinking lack. We're not thinking squeak by. We got we to change. There is no lack in God. And if he's in me, and that is true, then I cannot allow that, that feeling of squeezing. I, God will come through. And let me tell you, it's a constant fight. I have to fight it too. I mean, it just doesn't happen. You got you to rise up and contend and say, I'm not, I, am not, I am not going back to that impoverished mentality. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe God. If it fails, I still, Lord, I'd rather fail with you than succeed with anyone else. God's going to do really cool things in all your lives. You got to believe that. Amen. Amen. Hey, I'm going to release you now. It's going to be a great day. Uh, love each other. Fellowship with each other. And just enjoy one another as you're released this morning. Wednesday night, Trace has a great word. She mentioned the ladies meeting Monday. But Wednesday.